It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. One of the things that, I don't know if I would call it teasing, Whitney, but you've pointed out, I think, with appreciation rather than teasing, is I have things, I guess, called Jason-isms, or you always point out when I share quotes or I share passages from books I've memorized, and you've kind of labeled them here on, this might get uncomfortable, like Jason's-isms. Isn't that what you call them? Jason-isms? I don't know what you call them. I don't think I gave them a label, but yeah, (laughs) go on. (laughs) We'll call them Jason-isms. One thing that I was reflecting on this morning as I was having my smoothie bowl, I was not crying in my smoothie bowl like I did for an upcoming episode we have with a guest, Beth Cavanaugh. That's probably, it's it's going to be a while from now, but when you hear about crying in a smoothie bowl reference, you'll learn more in that episode. Over my smoothie bowl, I was remembering a quote, Whitney, that I had read years ago. I don't know who this quote is attributed to, and I may be paraphrasing it, but I recalled the quote was, entrepreneurs are the only people willing to work 80 hours a week so they don't have to work 40 hours a week for someone else. And I remember at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, when I left my last office job in the late summer of 2010, it was a typical 40-hour-a-week job clocking into an office in Hollywood. I was working for a very esoteric healing modality called the reconnection. Uh, if anyone wants to look it up, we'll link to that and everything we mentioned today in the show notes at our website, wellevator.com, which is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And recalling that quote, Wit, I was like thinking back to the last, particularly the last month of my life where I have not taken any days off. I've literally been working seven days a week, Saturdays, Sundays. And I thought back on that quote and I thought, well, goddamn, that's that's. Whew, there's a lot of truth to that, and it also brings me back to something you and I have talked a lot about on this podcast. For any longtime listeners, or if you're brand new, welcome to the podcast. We talk a lot about hustle culture. We talk a lot about burnout. We talk a lot about the dismantling of ultra capitalist culture that people are waking up to the fact is kind of grinding them into the ground. And so entrepreneurship is this, it's in this funny space for me right now, Whitney, of I think I chose it. I'm curious why you chose to leave your last office gig and branch into entrepreneurship. But for me, it was the idea that I was going to have more freedom, the idea I was going to feel more liberated, the idea that being my own boss was going to feel more fulfilling. But the reality is, yes, I have felt those things at times, but in some ways, Wit, if I reflect back on the last 11 years, I think in many cases, I feel more burnt out running multiple businesses than I did working an office job. doesn't mean that I want to go back to an office job. I'm not saying that, dear listener. But I think, Wit, self-care and managing stress and making time and being intentional about taking care of me has been more challenging 
running my own businesses. And I'm curious if you feel the same way. Like when you reflect on your journey as we kick off this episode, I'm really, really curious to see how you feel about that reflection looking back like me on, say, the last decade or so. But before we hear your reflections, Whitney, that this episode is inspired by a blog post that I was reading this morning at the same time I was thinking of that quote and my own entrepreneurial journey. It's our sponsor of this episode, which is embodyme.live, and they have this wonderful blog. I mean, dozens and dozens of really action-oriented, valuable tips. And the blog post that was posted a few days ago from Amber Fortier, who's also been a great guest, the founder of embodyme.live, and it's called Valuable Self-Care Tips for Entrepreneurs. You know, and I'm scrolling through this, this blog post going, I haven't taken a day off in over a month, and I kind of feel like a piece of old tempura in the back of the fridge. Scary enough, I probably have pieces of old tempura in the back of my fridge because I am notorious, as Whitney knows and teases me about, that I forget shit in the back of my fridge and then come to it months later, which is true. I don't deny it. So feeling like a piece of crispy old tempura in the back of the fridge, I was perusing this blog post and just shaking my head going, damn, yeah, okay, yeah, I I need to, okay, I'm not doing that. But one thing that jumped out at me, Wit, apropos of us talking about the challenges of self-care and entrepreneurship, right at the beginning, Amber put this statistic that I had never read. She wrote in this article, this blog post rather, from the National Institutes of Mental Health. Amber wrote, did you know that 72% of entrepreneurs are directly or indirectly affected by mental health issues compared to 48% of non-entrepreneurs? And she says, this statistic highlights the importance of not losing sight of ourselves. We're the ones that are going to have to lift the business up that we've created. But to do so, we need to have the mental stability, be confident, and have the necessary tools to make correct decisions. How we feel impacts directly on our actions. So don't let your tired mind take care of situations and prioritize self-care. That it hit me. It resonated. And I'm glad that Amber wrote this article and Again, we really, really love EmbodyMe.Live. We'll talk more about what they offer because they're a wonderful sponsor. Whitney and I have been really enjoying their platform. In addition to really awesome classes that they offer, which we'll talk more about, their blog is just full of great tips. So we're going we're gonna to dive a little bit deeper into these self-care tips today if you, dear listener, are an entrepreneur. But I found too, Wit, that these tips are not just for entrepreneurs. You could apply these to anybody. But going back to that mental health statistic, It is really interesting to think about if I look at my own kind of personal mental health challenges, it's not that I didn't have mental health challenges prior to running my own business and becoming an entrepreneur, but if I'm honest about it in the last decade, that shit, that dial has been turned way, way up. I don't know if that's correlation, right? Like running a business exacerbated those mental health issues. I don't have the data to support that kind of statement, but I'll be damned if the last decade has not been chaos and havoc from a mental health perspective. And I think one of the points is that I have not made enough time for self-care, especially recently. With that said, Wit, you know, as you look at, you know, your personal challenges, which you've been very vulnerable about here on the podcast, do you feel like some of those challenges have been, I don't know, magnified or exacerbated in the last decade plus that you've been an entrepreneur? I'm curious how you feel about that. Overall, I would say no, because I did not thrive in an office job. 
I also tend to not thrive when I can't have a flexible schedule. So the way that I have shaped my life and made money over the past almost 10 years now since I went fully independent. And for context, for those that don't know, I quit my last full-time job in, I think, 2010. And then I worked part-time for a few more years at a retail store and then left that in 2012. And then I spent a few months in 2012 getting my footing and really thinking about this and then got really determined in 2013 to work for myself and do freelance and be an independent contractor and all of that. And at the time, I think it was like very exciting. And also so much has changed. And I think this is a really important element to discuss here is that there's so many factors when it comes to working for yourself. So there is no one size fits all. This will work for everybody scenario. I think I used to believe that more, but over time I've recognized that things like privilege, education, experience, connections, there's so many factors that go into whether or not you can thrive in whatever that means for you as an entrepreneur. And I feel very passionate about saying that because too many times over the years, I've heard people say, well, if I can do it, you can do it. And I used to say that stuff too. I really did. And now I try not to. I'm not conscious of myself saying it. If I do say it, I'm probably having some sort of knee-jerk reaction or uh, old phrasing. But truly, I, I think that that is not a good phrase to pass around, especially the more I learn about my own privilege, but other people's experiences. In fact, that reminds me today, I got a message from somebody who I've been in touch with through my online work for many years. And she reached out. She's part of my Beyond Measure group. And for those that don't know about that, I have a private membership group that I've been working on for over a year now. And it's really centered around mental well-being. And it's a beautiful place where people get incredibly vulnerable and connect deeper with me and each other. And this one woman who's part of it hasn't been very active lately, which is okay. People kind of come in and out of, of activity. And she reached out and said, hey, you know, I just want to check and see if it's okay if I reactivate and, you know, start being more active. I feel ready for it because of things that are going on in my life. But I also wanted to ask you if you had any advice for making money right now because I'm trying a bunch of things and they don't feel like they're working. And for the first time in a while, I found myself hesitating and felt myself feeling confused about what to say. Because in the past, like because I used to teach a lot of monetization and I have this whole list and all these different things that you can do. But I noticed over the years while teaching that, Jason, that a lot of it does not work for other people. And a lot of it doesn't even work for me. And I think part of the mental health challenges that people face, as we've spoken about before, but is definitely worth mentioning again, it's really tough 
when you try something that people claim works and it doesn't work for you. And I think that's part of where the mental health challenges come with entrepreneurship. Because unlike working for a boss, a direct boss, a true employer, you don't really have anyone guiding you through and guaranteeing you money. And the financial side of entrepreneurship is really tricky. And I'm deeply fascinated by this. I'm fascinated by other people's experiences. I've had a lot of conversations and observed it a lot from different angles. And I think that in some ways, more people are struggling with entrepreneurship than they're willing to admit because it's really scary to admit if you are not performing as well as you want to be, as you feel like you should be, it's vulnerable to acknowledge it out loud because maybe you feel shame in admitting. Maybe your perception of success is very different than others. Maybe your perception of failures is different. And it's just not something a lot of people feel comfortable. I mean, money is one of the most uncomfortable conversations because I think there's a lot of shame in finances. But knowing that, I think it's really important to talk about it because when we talk about it, maybe we can let other people know that we don't have it all figured out and we don't need to like sit in comparison. And it's a fluctuation. And that's the other element too, to answer your question, Jason. Like right now I feel solid. But I have been self-aware enough over the years to know that I go through waves and there are periods where I'm low and I'm a little worried about how I'm going to pay some bills. And there are periods where I'm high and I feel really confident and I'm not as concerned about paying bills and my bank account is good. And like I'm in one of those high phases at this very moment of recording. So my confidence feels higher because I don't have the anxiety that I often carry of how am I going to pay the bill? Where's the next money coming from? But I also would like to mention that another element of this is your mental health around money and success is often very deeply rooted and separate from your circumstances. And I remember distinctly, I can't remember if I talked about this in the podcast, but I do, I have this strong memory of going to a body worker. I was getting cranial sacral done. And I think my therapist, the practitioner was saying, you know, what's going on with you? How are you feeling as, as a therapeutic element of that body work? And I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was talking about money. And he asked me, has there ever been a time where you didn't have enough? And in that moment, I was still working full time, I believe. Either that or I had just recently quit, but I wasn't in like a really bad financial situation. I remember that for sure. And I said to him, you know what? I don't think I've ever been in a place where I haven't been able to figure out how to pay for something. But it was fascinating when he asked me that question because I recognized like my fear in that time was not about the current circumstances. It was like some old lingering fear. And even though right now in August 2021, which is like 10 years after that experience I just mentioned, I have carried around that anxiety and that fear regardless of my circumstances. And even now when I feel confident, when I feel secure in my finances, I still experience anxiety of better not get too comfortable or 
don't loosen up too much. You got to keep working. You got to keep quote hustling, even though I try not to hustle. I feel like I need to constantly be productive or active or doing something. And like, I don't usually have time to just relax. And I am now building that into my life a lot more. I am now moving things around to have more downtime, especially at night. And it feels uncomfortable to do that because of my old thoughts, my old way of thinking, these old fears. But at the same time, it's encouraging because I start to wonder what will life be like if I can just allow myself to relax more. And to your point, Jason, I think that's one of the biggest issues is entrepreneurs tend to work around the clock. And for a while, I, and I'm sure many others, felt very proud of that. You know, we've talked about the word busy and how we use that as a badge of honor. Like, ooh, well, I don't even have time. I'm so busy. I used to be one of those people. And now I'm not. Now I really try to avoid even saying the word busy because it's not a badge of honor to me. What a badge of honor is, is when I can do whatever the heck I want and feel good about my day. Now, that also is why I've decided and committed and remained an entrepreneur, a freelancer, an independent contractor all these years, which has been almost 10 years. I've remained that, Jason, because I've known deep down that this is where I feel most happiness in my life, and I've been able to make it work. But I will say, and similar to I think what you'll express too, Jason, is that it's not easy. And I don't feel like I have it all figured out. I don't always feel secure. I haven't made like all this wealth that people promise you, like just stick with it. And after a few years, if you keep doing this, you're going to have so much money. I absolutely disagree. That has not been my experience. And I think it's incredibly dangerous to say, if you just do this, you'll get that result. Because if you don't get that result, you'll feel a lot of shame And that's not a mental health issue that I'm interested in carrying around with me. One of the biggest challenges, I think, Whitney, you know, you were talking about sort of this ever-present anxiety around enoughness and that this body worker you had mentioned asked, you know, has there ever been a time you've never had enough? And it's interesting, right? Because I've had similar conversations with friends and my mentor about And this is very much, I think, tied to privilege. It's tied to, I don't know if you want to call it fate, karma. I mean, we there's so many factors we could discuss around what I'm about to say. But, you know, since I moved out, you know, at when I move out, age 20, I'm 44 now, you know, in 24 years, have I ever not been able to pay my rent? No, I've always been able to pay my rent has now to that point, right? If I think about that, Whitney, have I always had clothes on my back? Have I always had the ability to get medical care? Yes. Have I always been able to feed myself? Yes. Even though if I think back on the entrepreneurial journey, how many times I had to decide, right? That You talk about the shame of like people who are in business for themselves admitting the struggle or, or being ashamed to admit the struggle. I think back on how many times, multiple, multiple times, I had to decide between whether I was going to get gas or like go to the grocery store. Like what's more important right now? Do I need to buy food right now or do I need to fill the tank? I mean, I remember, you know, being at the gas station going, I have like $44 to my name. 
am I going to fill up the tank or get food? It's tough. It, it, to your point, this is not, I don't think this is for the faint of heart. And it's so interesting. I think when we think about people telling us about their journey or you can do this too, and sort of this rhetoric of, I'm going to show you what's possible because I've done it, even though we've have drastically different life paths, right? Like if I did it, you can do it too, which I also take great umbrage with. It's also kind of this mentality of, what is the quote? If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And I'm like, eh, I'm going to call bullshit on that. Sorry. Because everybody I know who really loves and excels at what they do, there are times that what they do pisses them off. There are times that what they do as a vocation frustrates them. And if you're in business for yourself, I think it's common to experience massive highs and lows, like you said, Whitney, around our mental stability, our mental health, and money. And to give an example, right, there over the course of this journey, there have this just I want to say this just to highlight. And you've actually been there at different, you know, trade shows and speaking appearances that I've had, Whitney. There's been times like I've made, you know, you know, forty thousand dollars in a month, right? It's like, holy shit, holy shit. I can't believe this just happened. And and almost this expectation and this pressure, like, oh, well, I've got to keep it up because I hit this new high. And and all the other entrepreneurs and business leaders online are saying, like, you got to be consistent and implement systems and and implement and optimize and implement and optimize. It's like, and then realizing that I'm don't have the skill or the wisdom or the ability, who the hell knows why, but you know, the idea that I ought to keep having 40k months or I'm a failure, right? That kind of thing. And then also having, you know, months where I made $0, literally $0 or $400 a month. And so to try and compartmentalize mentally, how did I go from a 40K month to a $400 month? It wreaks havoc on you. And I think, you know, self-care and these practices that we teased at the beginning, I think for me, when I ignore taking care of myself, I can feel like I go into very dark, painful places if I do not care for myself. So that being said, I I do want to talk about these tips in this great blog post that we mentioned written by our friend and previous guest, Amber Fortier. Again, the website is embodyme.live. And these are tips to take care of ourselves and, you know, improve our our personal and professional lives. So I want to go through this, Whitney, and, and just briefly touch on these and comment on them. The first thing that is recommended in this blog post is to create a routine. And I love that this post talks about how each one of us are different and that we know better than anyone else what is best for ourselves, but that you know a framework of organization is something that can really help us. You know, We're running a company or we're on the path to entrepreneurship. Maybe we're not there yet. We know that finding balance in our lives is pretty fundamental. And, you know, I would say this is, I find finding balance, Whitney, is not a easy thing for me. We talked in a previous episode about my concern. I may be a workaholic or have workaholic tendencies. So balance is kind of a tough thing. But she says in this blog post to create a timeline where you write down all of the assignments for the day and try to estimate how many minutes you'll need to complete each task and not to overload this list because this exercise is about reducing our levels of stress, not the opposite, and making sure that what is written in our schedule feels motivating, feels exciting, we feel emotionally engaged with it. And that, you know, in our agenda, there should be time for caring for our physical health and mental health too. And I know you're big, Whitney, on scheduling. And 
One thing that I'm falling short on that I need to admit is I'm not scheduling in exercise. I'm not scheduling in rest on my calendar. And, you know, I'm curious for you if you, and maybe you've told me this, but I'm curious where you're at now. Like, are you so um, granular where with this scheduling and sort of, you know, blocking your day, do you put in, this is the time I'm exercising, this is the time I'm resting, meal time? Like, do you get that granular with it? Because I don't. And maybe I need to. Maybe that would help. I do sometimes, but that is something I found does not work for a lot of people. Because I've advised a lot of entrepreneurs and coached them, I can tell you that the majority of people do not work that way. (laughs) So certainly it's nice to keep this in mind. But as Amber says at the beginning, are you a to-do list person or does that overwhelm you, right? So the fact that you're different is the first thing that you should ask yourself and creating a timeline will work if you are a to-do list person, but probably if you're not. So it's great for me. I am always got things on my schedule. I've got a to-do list that I look at most days. I have times that I work in and I found them very, very helpful for me. But people like you, Jason, don't seem to thrive in that sense. Is that true? It's tough. And it's tough because I know that I need structure to have compartments of activity. I believe that life abhors a vacuum and that if we have space in our lives, life will find a way to fill that space in our lives. It just happens, right? I've got all this free time. How many times have you felt this, right? And when I say you, you, Whitney, or the listener, where like, oh, I've got this block of time and I, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. Well, I found that when I say I don't know and I don't fill that space intentionally, something else is going to fill it. The dog's barfing, the fucking car breaks down, whatever. You know, life will just fill the space. Life does not like vacuums, I don't believe. So the long answer to your question is I resist structure and I resist to-do lists, but I know I need some semblance of structure and compartmentalization and intention to accomplish anything. Because if I leave things to my own devices solely, randomness and chaos seem to reign. And it doesn't mean we can inoculate or allay chaos. I think chaos is part of the matrix. So I'm still trying to find the balance wit of what is, quote, enough structure for me, but not too much where I feel overwhelmed and then rebel against it. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, this is the thing. I fluctuate a lot and most people do. So I go through periods of time where I cannot look at a to-do list. It's just too overwhelming. Or, you know, I'm trying to think of what actually triggers that. I don't fully know because I haven't been in that mindset for a while. My to-do list has been incredibly helpful. There are times, though, where my to-do list deeply overwhelms me. And I have to be aware of that. And then I have to modify it. And so my practice is I look at it each day through the lens of flexibility unless I have a specific deadline. And I've started trying all sorts of different things. Like I try not to have too much on my to-do list on one day. Or I try to space it out and make sure I have gaps for breaks. And I look at my calendar and I make sure that my calendar reflects the breaks that I need, especially for scheduling and like It's just kind of this ongoing balancing act. So it's not like you just set it up and then you're good to go. 
it's going to shift a lot based on what's going on with your life and what's your personality and what you have on your plate and all these other factors. So I think it's really important to take advice like this with a grain of salt. You know, I love though the next tip, which ties into this, and that's about enjoying time with oneself. And Amber says that it's so important that you dedicate minutes during the day to be on your own and to reserve a spot in your agenda for me time a hundred percent. In fact, on my calendar, let me see if I called it me time. Yeah, I did. You do? Funny enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I have the period of time blocked off on my calendar and it's dinner and me time. And I used to just have dinner. I used to actually have lunch and dinner on there simply because I didn't want people like booking through our podcast calendar or my coaching calendar, whatever else for during my lunch break. Cause I was like, if they do, then similar to you, Jason, I will forget to eat. And I don't know why I took it off. I guess the lunchtime didn't feel as important to me, or it might've been because of our podcast schedule, but for whatever reason, I took lunch off temporarily, but I kept dinner on because I'm like, that is very important me time. And I also know that mentally and energetically, I don't thrive with work between the hours of like 6 to 9 p.m. most days. It shifted a little bit since my sleep schedule shifted, but typically those are, I, I get really tired. I usually get tired after 5 or 6 p.m. So that's a great time for me to relax, to hang out on my bed or a couch or watch something on TikTok or TV, have dinner, and just like zone out. And I had to come to terms with the fact that I need like three to four hours of zone out time in that block. And, you know, so usually between five to 9 p.m., I don't work very well. So instead of trying to like fight myself and force myself to work during that time, I blocked it off on my calendar and called it me time, just like Amber recommends. Have you tried that, Jason? No, I haven't. And it's also like, When you said three to four hours of me time, like my head tilted back because I was like, oh my God, I don't, my initial reaction was like, I don't know how the hell I could even do that in my day. I feel so, overwhelm isn't the right word in this moment. I just feel like I have so much that is asking for my attention that three to four hours a day, like, but maybe because I have that reaction, it's something that would be good for me to be more intentional about putting something on my calendar that says me time, because you know what I found that that gets, okay, I found something that gets in the way of this and it's a fear and a scarcity. It's mostly fear. I don't know if I want to label it scarcity. It's this feeling of when I perceive I have gaps of time in my day, I need to fill it with doing things because it's the fear. If I don't get it done today, it will just be waiting there for me tomorrow. And I know tomorrow will have its own set of challenges that are unique to that day. And then the thing I left for today will be piled on top with a whole bunch of other bullshit. And so it's almost like maybe the reason I don't do this, Whitney, is because I'm in a habitual cycle of, oh, there's 30 minutes. Oh, there's that thing. I should shred that paperwork. I should do those dishes. I should do that thing outside. It's it's almost like I'm in this pattern of, I'm afraid if I don't get it done now, it will just fucking pile up and then the next few days are going to feel even more hellish, right? So I don't know. I don't know what to do to shift that. It's really interesting to talk about because I feel like I've been caught in that for God knows how many years. 
it's a fear of shit piling up. It's a fear of overwhelm. And so if I just grind a little bit harder now, then I won't feel as overwhelmed tomorrow or the next day or next week. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that even when I do that, it's not like this shit gets any shorter. This is my to-do list, by the way. Whitney loves online to-do lists. I don't really like them. I prefer handwritten because it's the satisfaction of crossing things off. I, you know, if you're watching the YouTube version of this, I'm holding up my actual to-do list to the camera. But it's not like that gets shorter. It's weird. It's like I get things done. I feel productive. But this doesn't, I don't know that it actually positively affects my overwhelm is what I'm trying to say. It's almost like the fallacy of thinking it will reduce my overwhelm, but I don't know that it actually does. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, this is what I mean, though, because it's a fluctuating process. And I actually, this is a good time. Digitally, the huge benefit to doing things digitally, especially if you work online, right? Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're using digital technology in some way or another, but that doesn't mean you don't use a, a paper to-do list or calendar like Jason does. Some people thrive mentally that way. For me, though, I really like reminders. I like updates. I like the sounds that a digital to-do list makes. I like color coding. I like all of these like more advanced features that are helpful for me. And this is a good time to mention when it comes to me time, especially for any entrepreneur listening, yourself included, Jason, is that you need to block off that time because if you have an open booking calendar like we do, people will book during the time that you actually want to reserve for yourself. So that's why going into your digital calendar, whether it's Google Calendar, Outlook, iCal on the Mac, whatever it is. And also any booking programs. We use Calendly, for example. I, I use a number of digital tools where you can people can schedule time with you. Every time someone wants to book time with me, I double check my calendar to make sure that I have blocked off time for myself. And one technique I have that works really well with Google Calendar and iCal for sure, which is the two I use, you can actually create an all-day event and market as busy availability so that nobody can book you on that day. And you can mark other events as busy or free. So sometimes I have things on my calendar where it's just like a day where I want to spend doing things, but technically I'm free for meetings if they need to happen. So I can put that on my calendar, but mark it as free. So if you go into your calendar, each one might have the nuances. Check that out. And then similarly, if I have something like an all-day event, my calendar will default all-day events as available. So like they kind of it kind of use it as like a reminder that I'm doing thing something all day, I guess. But like technically someone could still book me. So now I manually go in and book myself as busy if that's what I want. And that'll block off the entire day. Right. So when I get have too many things on my calendar, but still have gaps of availability, I will put book myself an all-day event so that it blocks off the day. I still have gaps, but nobody can book in those gaps because I've marked it as busy, if that makes sense. And that system has worked really well for me because I know that energetically, I get drained from meetings. I get drained from podcasting. I get drained from coaching. I get drained from anything that it involves a lot of speaking and mental brain power. So I cap myself at usually two 
speaking things a day, whether it's podcasting, coaching, a speaking appearance, whatever, two of them max, because I will not thrive if I do more. And then to your point, Jason, that has a ripple effect on the next day because we, depending on the person, but if you're similar to me, I will be so drained that that I'll feel it the next day. So that's also why I block off the me time at night because I need the recharge time at night to sleep really well and be ready to tackle the next day that I have. And these are the things that I've learned about myself over time and experience. If you do not tune in and raise your awareness, you may not know these things about yourself in order to customize them properly. And that's why you have to keep tuning in. This also blends nicely into the next tip in the blog post, which is learning to say no. And what I'm describing here is very much about boundaries. Now, part of the way I say no is blocking off my calendar. And I've had some clients who go to my booking calendar, like one, for example, who I'm not currently working with, used to get really frustrated that I didn't, I my availability changed. When we first started working together, I was available on the weekends. And then the podcast schedule changed and my personal schedule changed. And I decided that I wasn't going to take any client calls on the weekend. And he was so irritated about it. And he was in a different time zone. And he was irritated that I wasn't available certain times. And I was like, these are my boundaries. And I have to say no to you. And we worked together for a while. It was fine. But like now we're not currently working together for no like bad reason or anything. It's just the flow of clients sometimes. And part of me is like, a relieved not to have a client that like is trying to push my boundaries. And this is the other important element, depending on your entrepreneurship and exactly what that means for you, you may have some people in your life that want to push your boundaries. So you have to truly learn how to say no and set them for yourself and be clear so that you don't waver unless it's truly necessary. Every once in a while, exceptions make sense. But this boundary element is so key to my personal mental health. And I know it is for you too, Jason. So I'm curious, how are you setting up boundaries and where is it hard for you to say no in your life if it is? That's a great question. The challenge for me, Wit, is when I start to feel like my fear and my future projections of bad things that might happen, right? Future projection fear overrides my desire to take care of myself. This is something I still work on because I think in the past, I don't know that I I had as deep necessarily of people-pleasing tendency as you. You've talked so brilliantly and and in depth about your journey through identifying and sort of shedding your people-pleasing tendencies. I think for me, if there is anything under that umbrella of people-pleasing and boundaries, it was the fear of if I say no, they're not going to work with me again. If I say no, I'll lose this money. If I say no, I'll lose this contract. And when you're in business for yourself and you have a lot of overhead and your living expenses are high and you don't have a safety net per se, right? You don't have a guaranteed paycheck. It's very tempting to say yes to everything. I think in the beginning, you know, Whitney and I experienced, I will speak for you, Whitney, because we've had so many conversations where at the very beginning, I, I don't I don't know about just the beginning, but for a lot of years, you and I were saying yes to every fucking thing that would come through. Yes, we'll say yes to your online summit. 
We'll say yes to your brand launch. We'll say yes to you know your book party. We'll say yes to your movie screening. I mean, there was a time you and I were going out to these things. I don't know about every day of the week. That's a bit of hyperbole. But we were going to these things a lot. I mean, I look back on those years. And were we burnt out or were we just moving? We were doing so much shit. When I think about that years ago, I'm like, how did we not collapse? We were going to everything. And my point is, that's a very difficult thing to shed as an entrepreneur because you think, I just need this connection. If I just meet this person, they'll connect me to so-and-so, which is a bit icky because it's transactional. But look, it happens. Human beings do that. I just need to meet X because they'll connect me to blah, blah, blah. Or- if I meet this person, they'll be a great client. Or you have FOMO. Totally, right? It's this whole thing of I need to be doing everything, be everywhere at once, be making every connection, going to this mixer, going to this. It can be maddening. And I think it's all too common. So I'm getting better at separating my fear of lack and my fear of missing out on a contract, money, connections, et cetera, and saying, I'm exhausted right now. And even if I'm exhausted and this jeopardizes this person's perception of me, if I don't take care of myself, things will be very negatively affected. So I'm better now than I was years ago, but I still have the fear of losing something by saying no to it. And I I think if someone doesn't want to work with me because I'm taking care of myself, then you know what? Fuck it. Maybe you're not the client for me then. Maybe you're not someone I want to work with if I'm expected to grind myself into the dirt to make this thing happen. So I'm getting better at it is the long answer to your question, but I still get hung up sometimes on that old fear of losing something. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's the fear of the possibility of losing something. Another thing I don't recall if I mentioned on the show, a few months ago, I had someone come around to me who had sponsored me in the past with my work on uh, Eco Vegan Gal and Whitney Lauritsen and the things I do separately. And I was really excited to work with them. I loved the brand and I knew that they would compensate me well. They respected me. They valued me. Great. But when it came down to closing the deal, I had a massive mental block. And in hindsight, I have zero regrets about not moving forward. I came up, I, uh, what's the term? I just kind of confessed, for lack of a better word, or, or just disclosed, perhaps, to this person that I was kind of challenged with my creativity because of some mental health things that were going on for me. And I'm still in that phase where it feels like I've had a creative block. But I wonder sometimes if that was my body or my brain's way of, of saying, nope, you can't take on anymore. It's too much mental bandwidth. It's too much energy. You don't have the bandwidth for that right now. And it was really tough. I still feel a bit guilty in a weird way, like because and even like embarrassed in a way where it was like, gosh, it sucks. Like I want to be that strong person. And like it's this is really easy. Why can't I do this? I should be able to do this. And maybe this person's not going to understand and maybe they're going to think less of me and they're not going to think I'm professional. But I don't know that that person thought that of me at all. In fact, they said nothing or did nothing to convey that they felt that. That was my old inner voice of this hustle 
of like, you can't stop and you got to grind and you got to make the money and you can't disappoint anyone. You have to say yes to things. And I, I truly had to set a boundary and I use that opportunity to reflect. And in the past few months, I've been, you know, Jason and I, I think Jason, you're in the similar boat, but I know that I have the current privilege of being approached by many companies literally every single day. I'll get some sort of email or direct message. And what I've noticed, Jason, is that the more content I create, the more opportunities come from it, which sounds great. But like the other day, I posted the first video I've made in months because I was really into doing TikTok earlier in 2021. And I stopped because I got so burnt out. I made, I think, 40 or something TikTok videos. I was in a TikTok program and it was great. I loved it. And I was in this momentum and I was like, this is awesome. And you know, the ripple effect of that, so many brands have reached out to me, right? Because TikTok is the hot thing. And I was burnt out. I could not create anymore. I had to say no to these sponsorships. And then in the past week, I posted a video that I made for a company that I do affiliate work for because I, I actually felt really good about it. I felt for the first time in a while I wanted to do something. I was enjoying it. I didn't feel pressured. It was bringing me joy. Great. And I posted it. It was very well received on Instagram to the effect that all these brands started coming out of the woodwork. And I was like, oh God, like maybe this is why I'm having this creative work because sometimes there's a, a side effect to success in that when you reach a certain point, and you've noticed this, Jason, like when you're more well-known, more people want you. And it's actually even harder to say no, but imperative that you do. That's the downside to success that a lot of people don't talk about. Imagine I do relatively have a small following compared to some of the really big names out there. I cannot even fathom, Jason, how these people operate and the amount of inquiries that they get from people constantly. The invites to events, the invites to participate in things, the product offers, the sponsorships, that all sounds so glamorous to someone who hasn't done much of it before. But the truth is, it's so much and you have to have a team and you have to build these barriers. And then if you are mentally struggling with saying no, you got to be prepared that that's going to be headed your way. And the guilt that you can feel turning people down is really tough to deal with or ignoring people. Like the other day, Jason, I was thinking about how many people in emails and messages I've ignored, like so many, because I don't have the mental bandwidth to respond. I don't currently have an assistant helping me. I can, it's like, gosh, I really would like to have an assistant again, because just having someone to answer my emails and direct messages would be such a weight off my shoulder because I've been carrying around all this guilt for being perceived as some jerk who doesn't respond to emails. But the truth is, I don't owe them that. And that has really helped me a lot. And there's a couple more elements to this blog post I want to mention. One is disconnecting from your work, which is something that we've mentioned. I feel like that fits into this me time that you really do need to set aside that time to disconnect. Another is taking care of your mind. And that's the overarching theme of this, right? And it starts off by saying, how many times have you prioritized your physical well-being over your mental one? It's normal. But our minds often are secondary 
because of what society has taught us. And I love this about Embody Me. This is the reason we've worked with Embody Me as a sponsor is because they emphasize the importance of mental well-being and enjoying the present moment. This is why I'm taking time off to do some traveling, to go to national parks. I'm speaking of which, Jason, like given that this episode, I think, let's see, this when does this episode come out? This episode comes out like a month after I started my trip. So by the time you're listening to this episode, I will have already completed this. So this is like a a blast from the past. <laughs> in this moment that we're recording in late August, I'm gearing up to start a road trip. And I have felt anxiety about there's like three or four days that I'm going to be in a national parks with very limited cell signal. And I've been nervous about telling some of my clients about this. Speaking of boundaries, I'm afraid that if I tell them I'm taking time off for myself, that they're going to be disappointed or they're going to be frustrated or that I'm going to have too much work to do when I come back. But the reason I'm doing it and pushing through all that discomfort is because I want to enjoy the present moment and I want to disconnect from work. I need to do it. So sometimes we have to push ourselves to do the uncomfortable things. That's the theme of this podcast. It's not always easy, but it's a heck of a lot better than getting incredibly burnt out and feeling anxious and stressed and all those other negative emotions that we've discussed. And I think this is one of the best parts about Embody Me as a resource is that you are joining not just to take their classes and that's what they offer as a virtual wellness studio. But when you join a platform like this, you're in a community that holds you accountable. You see that you're not the only one struggling with this. You get to talk to other people about what's working for them. You get to get the advice of really wise teachers. And man, that has gone a long way for me. Whenever I'm struggling, I want to know more entrepreneurs and talking to other entrepreneurs helps me greatly. So that is part of what Embody Me provides. And as you may have heard in some recent episodes, they've given us two perks for you. One is that you can get a seven-day free trial if you go to their website, embodyme.live. And two is that if you use our code WELLEVATOR, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R, you will get 20% off your first full month membership. So you can dip your toes in with a free trial. And if you like it as much as we think you're going to, you can spend a whole month in there at a discounted rate. And their prices are amazing. You can pay per class. They've got all sorts of different options for you. So it's just been wonderful going over this whole blog post. And I'm curious if you would like to finish it out. The one thing in the blog post I skipped over was exercise, (laughs) which is actually where they mention the seven-day trial in the blog post because they offer yoga classes and Pilates style and a lot of more physical elements of this. So Another reason they're great is that it's it's for the body and the mind on Embody Me. But, you know, certainly exercise is huge and I could talk a lot more about that, but I'll pass the baton back to you as you like to say, Jason. Well, it's it's funny to me that we're ending on this cuz exercise at this moment is the most challenging part of my self-care routine. It's challenging because I ended my physical therapy regimen for my motorcycle accident. And if anyone's wondering, I'm great now. Shoulder feels awesome. But strangely, Whitney, when my physical therapy ended in July of this year, 2021, 
I think I was so mentally burnt from the challenge of eight months of physical therapy that I just stopped moving my body completely. I was like, I'm so mentally burnt out. For anyone who has ever done physical therapy, you know how physically exhausting it can be, but doing the same routines every day for months and months and months and months, I was just like, I need a break. Well, the break has lasted six, seven weeks now. (laughs) So I think it's time, I feel it's time for me to start moving my body again. So truth be told, this is my Achilles heel right now. I'm trying not to beat myself up for it. I think I needed the mental break. So in re-engaging this wit, I am excited to, you know, dive back into yoga, Pilates, moving my body. It's also something too that I think I've been, uh, I don't want to use this as an excuse, but I wonder how much this factors into it. I, I had mentioned that my yoga studio had closed. Actually, in our episode with Amber Fortier, the founder of Embody Me, at the beginning of that episode, I had mentioned to her that I was lamenting and feeling sad that my yoga studio, Jiva Mukti LA, had closed and I missed that community. I missed that accountability. I missed the affordability of the classes there. So Embody Me has come at a time in my life where I'm sort of, I don't know, grieving the loss of my yoga studio, but also excited that this platform exists. And that Amber, knowing her heart and her spirit and how supportive she is, has classes like planning your week with intention, which is kind of apropos of this entrepreneurial journey, right? That's a great class. So it's not just yoga, Pilates, movement, meditation. She also has classes about practical strategies for structuring your life so that you can thrive and not burn yourself out. So we really want you to check out embodyme.live. We love it. We think you will love it too. Again, we've got that code WELLEVATOR for you to save 20% off your first month and get the seven-day trial. And I think, Whitney, this, I've got to start moving my body. Like, I know it's one of those things, how do I even describe it? It's almost like the little person, you know how in cartoons and movies, there's always like the traditional angel and devil on your shoulder? I kind of feel like I'm now at the point where there's like a little version of me on my shoulder being like, dude, it's been awesome that you've taken seven weeks and we're totally into it. But like you're starting to feel like creaky. Like, I think that's the best way right now, Whitney, as I start to feel like, oh, I'm getting out of bed and I am feeling like, I don't know. I just, I love that you you were ending on exercise because I know that when I'm moving my body consistently, I feel mentally better. I know that. So I'm saying this to give my own self a loving little kick in the ass to get on the yoga mat, grab my kettlebells, do some Pilates and get my ass moving again. Like I know it, uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm just going to do a deep sigh and know I got to get my ass in motion. With that being said, if you, dear listener, dear viewer, have your own version of that, again, we want you to go to embodyme.live, check out the blog posts, check out the classes, enjoy your free seven days. And maybe there's something that speaks to you as exercise is currently speaking to me. We also have all of the great resources we mentioned, including this awesome blog post about valuable self-care tips for entrepreneurs. We will have links to Embody Me, the blog post, everything we've mentioned at our website, which is the hub for everything we do. And that's wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com, where we have our own wonderful blog section. We're posting all kinds of great tips and valuable content there. You will find links and show notes to all of our previous episodes. 
and anything that we want to share with you. We've got awesome free resources. We've got links to our private podcast called This Hits the Spot, which you can access as a newsletter subscriber of Wellevator. We send out newsletters every Friday afternoon like clockwork. And we also have our private podcast, This Hits the Spot. I just said that. I'd realize I'm repeating myself because maybe the matcha hasn't kicked in yet. But you get free access to the podcast. But then if you're a Patreon member, if you're a patron of ours, which we have some amazing, amazing people supporting us, you will get links to all of the products we mentioned in our private podcast and also unlisted videos. You get private videos. So it pays to be a member because you get some really cool perks to that. So we'll link to our Patreon account. If you want to support us, it starts as low as $2 a month. And we're bringing you a lot of value. We're bringing you a lot of fun stuff. So with that being said, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting energetically, financially, spiritually, however you're supporting this podcast. We appreciate you getting uncomfortable with us as always. And you can always shoot us a direct email, hello at wellevator.com. Whitney and I love hearing from you. Until next time, we appreciate you. We love you. And we'll be back with another episode soon. See ya. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 